Is it Wednesday already? You're damn right it is. It's Wednesday. It's the 29th of November 2023. It's freezing in Salford. And apparently it's going to freeze for the rest of the week, so we better get used to it. Hope you're looking forward to a good programme. I think I've got one for you. think I do. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, Ireland has gone viral. A country has gone viral. Ireland is in the news and every country in the free world. No such thing as the free world, at least not these days. But Ireland is in every newspaper in every country on planet Earth. It's all about the hate speech bill and goings-on in the Emerald Isle last Thursday. Who better, since it's been a month since he was with us, who better to ask for a comment than John Waters? John, Irish journalist, Irish author, all-round good egg, top man is John. He'll be with me in around about a half an hour's time and we'll run the rule, there's a cliche for you, over events of recent days and what's going on in the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, the British media... Well, at least the conservative British media is obsessed with Ireland. Ireland has gone viral. Why has Ireland gone viral? Why? Well, the world, the world at large is talking about this. This is the reason Ireland has gone viral. No one hates Ireland. And I mean no one hates Ireland more than the Irish far right. That's what it's all about. The Irish far right is a clear and present danger to the prosperity of Ireland. And it needs to be dealt with, and it will be dealt with. That was Joe Brawley. They hit bus drivers. Yesterday. Librarians. Librarians. Lewis drivers. Teachers. They hit teachers. Remember that? So we played that yesterday. We won't play it again. We will use it from time to time, though, because it is amusing. (laughs) They hit bus drivers. They hit everybody. Okay, more on that a bit later on. John Waters. I'm freezing. I'm freezing in the studio because the studio's radiator is turned off. It's at zero. And that's the way it's got to be. So I've got two jumpers on me. William Shatner. Shatner is shitting himself. Yes, Captain Kirk. Remember him? TJ Hooker. Remember him? Stacey, bend over there and pick up that gun and take your time. Yeah, that's him. Your man from Miss Congeniality is cacking it. It's all because of climate change. It's going to kill every last one of us. He, William Shatner... Did he go up on a rocket with Jeff Bezos last year, didn't he? Anyway, William Shatner was in conversation with Noel Phillips from Good Morning Britain. It's going to kill us all. We're burrowing into our own graves. Really? I'm so unhappy that you don't understand how imperative the situation is. We're dying, man. (laughs) Your children are going to have difficulty living. Children, difficulty living. Do you understand that? He obviously doesn't. He said, really? So do you seriously believe that we're heading towards extinction? Insects are going extinct. We don't go. Insects are going extinct. Oh, my God. Do you realize flies are going? Who cares? Flies are going extinct, he says. Who cares? Are flies going extinct? Are they? And we stupid human beings don't even know they existed in the first place. Flies are going extinct and we stupid human beings, well, we didn't know they existed in the first place. Taxi for Mr. Shatner. Taxi. He's a bit mad, isn't he? 
It doesn't end there, though. He had more to say to Noel Phillips, who did very well not to laugh. He's got to say... Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Noel Phillips asked him, what about King Charles? Surely the king has got a big part to play in all of this, and the king will be speaking to the COP28 conference, United United Arab Emirates even. What should the king do? Here's William. He's got to say, we're all going to die. That's what he's got to say. We're all going to die. That's what he should say to open up with. Very quickly, we're going to die. Much Very quickly, we're going to die. Sooner than we expected, we're going to die. So you support him? In his How did he not laugh there in old His role as king, talking about the planet. What a glorious thing. England is one of the foremost countries in the world, and it has to lead. It has to lead England, you know. What should the king do again? He's got to say, we're all going to die. Very quickly, we're going Very to die. Quickly. Much sooner than we expected, we're going to die. We're going to die. William Shatner, he wasn't being ironic and he wasn't being funny. Madman, yeah. TJ Hooker, what happened to him? Now, um, yeah, on the same programme, the Environment Secretary Steve Barclay, yes, your man, who was the health secretary a couple of weeks ago. I know, they're laughing in our faces, you know. They really are. So Steve Barkley was on the same programme. Good morning, Britain. Good morning, Britain. And he was being interviewed by Susanna Reid. And they'd already heard William Shatner. Here's Susanna Reid speaking to Steve Barkley. We're in a climate catastrophe. Oh, that's what we are. We're in a... We're in a climate catastrophe. Oh. Why are we doing a massive U-turn on our climate pledges? Yeah, it was freezing this morning. Climate catastrophe. Everything. Climate catastrophe. Everything, everything, everything that happens on the weather front around the world can be put down to that. Like, it's as simple as that. Bit foggy out. You know, bit foggy. Um, light drizzle. Climate catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. A couple of degrees normal today than it was yesterday. Climate catastrophe. Minus four this morning in Salford. Climate catastrophe. Yeah. Anyway, she asked him, why is the government doing all these U-turns on pledges made to reduce our emissions? What did Barclay say? Well, let me address that. First, we've reduced our emissions faster than any other uh, G7, and we're absolutely committed to our 2050 targets. Uh, but we down? don't think, but we don't think we should be an outlier compared to to lots of other countries. We've got to achieve net zero in a way that is sustainable uh, and takes the public with us. But one of the key things we're doing, Susanna, is making nature a much much bigger part of how we tackle climate change, and that's a, a feature that we particularly led on uh, with COP26. In Glasgow, it's a big part of the announcements in terms of the nature recovery schemes that we're launching today because nature has a key part to play in terms of meeting those climate change objectives. But we've got to do it in a way that takes the public with us, that doesn't drive unnecessary costs. Yes, but flies and insects are going extinct, my man, and we didn't even know they existed in the first place. But Uh, but we have have reduced emissions more than anyone else in the G7. You have to take the public with you, not delay the measures that help solve the problem. Well, as I say, we have reduced our emissions, Susanna. More- Just occurred to me, if the insects go extinct, there'll be nothing left for us to eat when they tell us we're not allowed to eat meat anymore. 
So we'll probably have to eat each other. That's not a joke, by the way. They've already outlined plans. This is no joke. They, they want to take people's own blood cells to grow meat from, don't they? They want to turn us into cannibals. Is the term cannibal appropriate if you're eating yourself? I'm not sure. You might be eating your dinner now. You might be coming over all green in the gills. You might be coming, becoming green in the gills, getting a bit unwell. But they're mad, these people, aren't they? They're mad. The thing about Barclay is you'll never know, I'll never know, you'll never know, whether Barclay believes it or whether he doesn't believe it, but he's going along with it because he's getting well paid. I just don't know. It's eight and a half minutes past the hour. Anything else said by Barclay that's of any interest to you and me? More than any other G7 uh, country, and we're committed to our 2050 target. So That's the same old bullshit. We're doing more than anybody else, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hi to Ewan. Hi, Ewan. Thank you for your message, your comment. He says, one too many booster shots for Mr. Shatner, me thinks. Could be he's going senile, though. He's 92. If I come down with a deplorable case of ageism? No. No. Some people in their 90s are not senile. They're compass mentis. But some are, you know, they're starting to fray a bit at the edges. I think William Shatner is fraying a bit at the edges now, to be honest with you, know. John says, somebody beam that prick up. I'm Scottish. I'll do it. Scottish. I get it, John. I get it. Scotty. I get it. Well said. Sean says, there is no far right in Ireland, Richie. There is, Sean. Stop it now. If Joe Brody says there's a far right in Ireland, there must be a far right in Ireland. No one hates Ireland. And I mean no one hates Ireland. Nobody. More than the Irish far right. All right, Sean. Did you hear that, Sean O'Macher? Did you hear that? Anyway, I'm I'm jesting, of course. Only concerned mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters asking questions and who have an opinion which is different to that of brainwashed politicians and the corrupt media. I think Ireland is waking up a bit at last. Just hope it's not too little too late, says Sean. Yes, Sean. I hope it isn't too little too late either, mate. Thank you for your comment. Now, Laura Trevelyan. Remember Laura Trevelyan? Writer for newspapers. Worked for the BBC. Then quit the BBC to focus on reparations to the descendants of slaves. Yeah, because Laura's, Laura's family, a couple of hundred years ago, not her family, because you can't count these people as family, it's too many times removed. It's like generation after generation after generation. But a couple of hundred years ago, her ancestors had a plantation, I think, in Grenada. Yes. So she quit the BBC to focus on reparations. Then she rejoined the BBC to make a documentary. And she gave £100,000 out of her own money, her family's money, to some black people she never met before in her life. (laughs) Must have plenty of money there, love. Yes, yes. Once upon a time, a long, 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 long time ago, when the Ewoks were running around planet Hoth, Chasing Princess Leia. Some of my ancestors, they had they had a plantation. So I've got to give six-figure sums. Anyway, look, she was on BBC Politics Live today talking about this with Joe Coburn, who hosts that programme. Laura Trevelyan. Well, like many people in Britain, including, I will say, the new Foreign Secretary, David Cameron, who has distant relatives who were involved in some way in the slave trade, Love the way she dropped David Cameron in it. This is a big bombshell. Joe Coburn didn't know where to put her face. <laughs> didn't know where to put her face. Didn't see this coming at all. Laura, I brought you on to talk about why you're such a nut job to give £100,000 to some people you never met and some people you never harmed. But anyway, she drops in David Cameron. Yes, the new Foreign Secretary, Lord Cameron, if you please. Um, he's got links to the slave trade. His family, holy Jesus, shut her up. 
Anyway, she moved on. This might become a big thing, actually, this David Cameron revelation, anyway. Uh, I discovered in 2016, thanks to University College London, that... Why is she thanking University College London for bringing this to her attention? I wouldn't have thanked them. Richie, did you know that your your family, the, 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 the Flanagan, Michael Henrys, did you know that the Hanrahans who were on your mother's side, you know that they had a plantation in 18... No, I don't, and I don't want to know. I couldn't give a shit, to be honest. Would be my response. Ancestors of mine received compensation, if you can believe it, when slavery was abolished back in 1833. It wasn't the enslaved Africans who got compensation at abolition. It was the slave owners, because in a, a classic political compromise, it was the only way to get support for abolition. Um, but it was this information was hidden from my generation, from the generation above. And we began to ask in the family, what does it mean? A process which really accelerated after Black Lives Matter. And the BBC, Joe, in the fine tradition, uh, let me go last year to make a documentary in Grenada. To of course they did. Ask, what are the legacies of slavery in Grenada? Where do you hear the legacies of slavery now? In Grenada today, and I discovered that there are so many. Well, th this is what we can be blamed for now in 2023. Listen. From ill health to ill health to mm. underinvestment. Underinvestment. To the fact that these islands are really at risk from climate change. People who never asked to be there. Climate change. They never asked to be there. And now, in 2023, they're vulnerable to climate change. Um, and so when I came back, I working with Caribbean leaders and thinking about it, people really said to me, if you apologise and your family apologises yes. for what your ancestors did to us and do something reparative like invest in education, it will set an example. Wow. In a few years' time, right, her grandchildren, when they learn... <laughs> when they learn, somebody will tell them, your your great grandmother. The reason you have no money is your great grandmother gave away a hundred thousand pounds to some some islanders in Grenada, and then she kept doing it. And you've got nothing. You understand? No. Could you repeat it? Because I I can't believe my fucking ears. Yeah, your your great granny went mad, and this is why you have no money. Laura Trevelyan. The time is at 14 and a half minutes past the hour. This is Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. You may drop me a line via richieallen.co.uk, my website, or you can download the app. Uh, please download the app. The Richie Allen Show this week is brought to you in association with NutraHealth365.com. It's cold and uh, there are bugs big scary bugs but no there are you might want to boost your immune system and get yourself in good shape for the winter to come uh, do it with NutraHealth365.com Winter's on its way and so are colds flu and other respiratory illness <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3 C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Fantastic. Let me tell you about something else in case I forget about it. Now, that, that, that might sound disrespectful. It isn't. I've ahead. My memory's like a sieve. How could I forget about it? Uh, the brilliant Mark Poyerski, a great friend of ours, has been um, organising a raffle to raise support for the Richie Allen Show, the show you're listening to. And he is raffling thousands of pounds worth of beautiful crystals 
they are beautiful really to find out more about it today is the last day I think today is the last day you can participate get over to youtube.com Mark's got a terrific YouTube channel and he has been posting videos there so look for Mark Boyerski on YouTube you'll find him very quickly and again this being the last day big shout out to Mark thank you for giving a damn about the independent media and in particular this radio show so again raffling uh, thousands of pounds worth of crystals they're amazing and he's doing it for us thank you Mark and his website is Mark Boyersky.com. He never asks for anything in return. And I like people like that. So thank you, Mark. Rich says, Hi, Rich. I want an apology, speaking of apologies, from Nick Ferrari for shouting down his microphone during the scamdemic. Anyone who refuses the jab should be sacked. Did he say that specifically, Rich? I think he did. But I don't want to, you know, endorse that 100%. I know he was very pro-jab. Not just NHS staff, anyone at all, says Rich. He was relentless every morning. I wonder how much he was being paid for that, says Rich. Yeah, he wasn't alone. He had that idiot, that bearded goon, James O'Brien, who comes on after him. Yes, fantastic. Wonderful. And Steve says, Richie, if you eat yourself while you're still alive, a lot of you will grow back, so it could be quite sustainable, says Steve. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. Uh, Pietro says, Richie, did you see Laura Tobin? Now, Laura Tobin is the Good Morning Britain weather person, weather girl. You'll out say that now, weather girl. Um, did you see her pretty bar chart illustrating the rise in temperature? It only started at about 100 years ago. Why didn't it go back a little bit further? Asks Pietro. Might it have shown a much warmer period beforehand? Of course it would. It was so warm at one time in this country as they grew grapes in Yorkshire. It was so cold at other times in this country the Thames froze over. Yes, climates and climates change. Temperatures fluctuate. Warming periods, often interglaciation periods, the period between the end of one glaciation period and the beginning of the next one. All sorts of weird things happen with the climate and human beings have got nothing to do about it. Now that's not the same as saying that human beings have we, we have the capability to alter weather patterns. We, we believe they do. I think you believe they do. I think I believe they do. I think it goes on. Geoengineering is a real thing. So I'm not ignoring that. But in terms of great shifts to the climate in general, we can't do very much about that. It's a natural thing. And the climate change scam is about the worst thing. I mean, it is their biggest weapon. They're going all in with that. They don't have anything else, really, except the climate scam. I only hope the many hundreds of thousands of men and women who seem to be waking up to the scam of the last three years, they might have a eureka moment. and It might occur to them, Christ, I wonder, are they telling us any other lies? Yes, they are, surely. Yes, they are, Michael. They're telling you lies every time they open their mouths. Like the DJ, has Shatner been to Epstein Island and is shatting himself? That's unkind, DJ. I doubt he was visiting Epstein Island, I doubt it, but then, what do I know? Just looked at Sky News, says Kay, picture of the terrible snow in Scarborough. You can see the grass poking through the snow, the covering is so light, bloody hell. I didn't see it, Kay, but it sounds like they're going Armageddon on a little bit of snow, but they will do that. They will do that. I mean, a number of programmes today, I didn't bother recording the audio because it's a waste of time. But a number of them are talking about it being unusually... It isn't unusually cold. It's the 29th of November. We're pretty much in the winter now. And for it to drop below zero is not remotely unusual. 
ask anybody who runs as a hobby or as a self-flagellation thing as I do, punishing myself for all the bad things I did to my body over the years with the Bacardi and the Bacardiing the bejesus out of myself. How much Bacardi did you bejesus out of yourself? Well, a lot over the years, lots, liters, lorry loads of it, you know. So now you have to pay for it. Got to run self-flagellation. Anybody who runs, and I've been running for years, right? Around about this time of the year, icy footpaths. Yes, cold. Yes, this morning I froze my tits off on my five-mile run. And I had a good t-shirt. I had a good, what would you call it? I had a thermal on. I had my high-vis jacket on. I had a woolly hat and I had a, I had a snood. I had a snood, right? I had gloves. You couldn't even recognise me. And I was running pretty, at a pretty decent pace. Freezing me arse off I was. I was running about eight and a half, nine miles an hour, which is not bad considering the footpaths were slippy. Yeah, anyway, and I'm still trying to warm up after it. Climate change. Good morning, or good evening even to Shane. Shane, I didn't, mate. I did say to your to your lovely missus that when I do, I'll let you know. Uh, Shane sent, sent me something via the P.O. box for the show, but I think the Royal Mail is lazy, and I don't think they deliver every single time something pops into the P.O. box. I think they wait for it to fill up, I think. I'm not sure. But thank you, Shane. I'll let you know when it arrives, pal. In fact, I'll give the Royal Mail a ring and ask them where the bloody hell is me mail. Martin says we have paid reparations time and time again. It's called foreign aid. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Richard says we're all going to die. Beam me up, Scotty. Hi to David, who says Shatner was universally hated on the set of Star Trek. There's more ham in that Egypt than in an average French charcuterie. Charcuterie. Yeah. I don't know, I never read that about his um, personality. Anyway, 22 minutes it is past the hour. John Waters will be on the programme shortly. If you have anything to contribute to that, let me know via the website or via the app. I look forward, as always, to hearing from you. Is there anything else I can share with you today? Uh, the barrister Francis Hoare is annoyed at the COVID inquiry. Get in line, son. He is annoyed that Michael Gove... Conservative Party Minister, uh, said yesterday in his appearance before the COVID inquiry, Gove said that COVID-19 was man-made. And Francis Hoare, as a barrister, is pissed off about this because he realises that the COVID inquiry is not asking the really important question. He was speaking to talk radios, Julia Hartley Brewer. And I actually think the question of the virus's origins has some importance, but it's much less important than analysing and scrutinising what the government did in response to the virus, whether man-made or not. And what's extraordinary about the inquiry is, as you say, Julia, all pandemic planning, all historical, modern um, efficacy and evidence about how you deal with pandemics suggested that this was a huge mistake uh, and nobody even contemplated it before the Chinese did it. And yet Baroness Hallett isn't even examining, isn't even scrutinizing the fact, scrutinizing the fact that those pandemic plans were ditched. She isn't questioning as a matter of principle within the, within the inquiry whether or not the government should have locked down. That's a, 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 a question that it's is... literally the only worthwhile question. Very hysterical, that Julia Hartley Brewing. It's the only and thing that's they the should only be asking. Question. It's the only important question, Julia, because 
what what we're looking at is an unprecedented assault by the state on freedoms on health on prosperity on education as you've said yeah brewer is useless it might have sounded a touch misogynistic there me calling her hysterical she interviewed a kid today from a university the university has voted to remove meat options from the cafeterias in the university forgive me for not remembering which uni it is so they brought the kid into the studio and I don't agree with this, of course. Why would I? But I'd be interested in listening to the kid. Um, check it out if you don't believe me. Talk TV has a Twitter account. She interviewed the kid and was worse than Piers Morgan. Never got a chance. They've put a clip of it on Twitter, Talk TV. They've put a clip of Brewer interviewing this kid and the kid doesn't get a word in anyways. Every time Brewer asks the kid about the rights and the morals of dictating to people what they should and shouldn't eat, the kid begins to attempt to answer it. She jumps all over him. This, of course, now is all the rage. We don't have interviewers. We do not have journalists presenting on radio, at least not commercial radio or national radio in the UK. We have commentators who are there to espouse a certain point of view on behalf of the corporation they represent, and it is their job to shout down everybody else who disagrees with it. It's Fox News from the late 1990s, and it is here now in the UK. It is utter garbage. It is garbage. And can I just say this? It's going to sound boastful, but I don't give a shit. Um, the Richie Allen Show, in the iTunes charts. Now, most people these days get their podcasts from iTunes or Spotify. Those are the go-to places, right? And the iTunes charts are compiled daily, not weekly. And pretty much every day, um, since as far back as we can remember, the Richie Allen Show is inside the top 100 for the entire country. Now, I'll put that into a bit of context for you. I am regularly, I, I'm going to say I this time, right? I, the show, is regularly ahead of the likes of Brewer, uh, Mike Graham, Ian Dale, um, at LBC Radio, the, the Guardian's podcast, BBC Radio 4 Today podcast, all of these huge podcasts with massive money behind them, where they cross-promote one another, where they post their podcasts on billboards, on motorway signs, all of this, and your Richie Allen show is beating them out of sight on the iTunes charts every day of the week. It's brilliant, isn't it? It makes it worthwhile, right? It really does. It makes it worthwhile for you to support the programme and to send it a couple of quid whenever you can. Because what you're doing is you're not supporting some bullshit podcast where some idiot is sitting here shouting his opinions at you. You're supporting a proper radio show, properly produced and edited by a professional journalist. And it is reaching people. And it wouldn't be if it wasn't for you and people like Mark Boyersky and others. So thank you for doing it. And sharing that joy with me because I have to tell you as somebody who is incredibly competitive because I came out of commercial radio where you had to be competitive you had to be beating your competition to be spanking some of the most well-known presenters in the country day in day out in the iTunes charts is a thing of fucking joy for me it really is so thank you for helping to uh, to make it happen and look I, I know in light of what I just said this might sound preposterous but of course it isn't about me it's not about personalities it's about the information and this is why you don't see me on Twitter you know tweeting out bullshit like they'll never stop me I won't be silenced and all of this crap all of this grifter shit you don't see me do that you never see me in public I don't go near any of these meetings I don't turn up at conferences taking the microphone I'm a journalist less seen the better right Thank you. It's a brilliant thing. It's an extraordinary thing.
to have the, the Richie Allen show, to be downloaded more, to be grabbed more, to be shared more than some of the most well-known presenters in the country. And um, it's wonderful. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to take a tune. I haven't lined one up yet. John Waters is standing by and um, we'll, we'll, we'll get him on. Re- in fact, we'll get John on now. Enough of that. Let's get John on because um, I want to have as much of the next hour with John as we possibly can. Now, there, there isn't very much I can tell you about John Waters other than he's a terrific writer and uh, broadcaster and author. He's um, been kind enough to come on this programme uh, quite a number of times in the past. We love him. Um, he was described to me recently by an Australian listener as the thinking woman's crumpet. The thinking woman's crumpet, John Waters. Now that's that's a that's a wonderful thing that we should get a trophy with that emblazoned on it. The thinking woman's crumpet. How do you feel about that? First and foremost, that's nice. It's good. Uh, it's it's uh, for a man of sixty-eight to be regarded with any kind of crumpet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite an achievement, uh, Richie. You know, so I'm by. I'll take it. You'll I'll take, take it. it. I'm going to play you a sixty-second clip. I know you've heard it. So it's funny, so we took the piss out of it, but um, let's play it anyway, because a lot of people are talking about it. 60 seconds, then John's going to stand by. This is the Irish sports analyst and barrister, and it seems to be talking head these days, Joe Brawley, talking, speaking with News Talk, and here he is talking about the scourge of the far right in Ireland. No one hates Ireland, and I mean no one hates Ireland more than the Irish far right. They hate bus drivers, librarians, Lewis drivers, teachers, they hate teachers, women, gays, trans, they loathe trans people, politicians, can't stand politicians, hate working people, Muslims, Jews, the Jewish replacement theory, we see them standing on O'Connell Street and making these outrageous speeches, outrageous anti-Semitic speeches, the GAA, nurses, doctors, the homeless, sports people, you, they hate you, they hate me. Yeah. You know, and they'll happily smash up their own city and loot shops because hate is transferable. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's psychological occurring in the mind of the hater. Occurring in the mind of the hater, John. Joe Brawley. How do you respond to that? Well, we've been over this territory <coughs> along uh, quite a few a times. And uh, we know that the, the far right is entirely, in Ireland, entirely a figment of people like Joe Brawley and his colleagues in the so-called journalistic profession, which is no longer, incidentally, the journalistic profession because they're bought and paid for by the government. And what he's on there is shilling for the government. Earning his shilling. Earning his shilling from the government in order to keep going because they are now, journalism is so bad in the modern world now that it is an unviable product and they've had to flip it into propagandizing, but also telling lies, because the idea of spreading the idea that there is a far right in Ireland is a lie, is an absolutely objective lie, which all these guys are doing. And they're doing it in order to ensure that the funds keep flowing. That's all they're doing for this, this far. Uh, you know, I, I, I use the term I said to you the last time I was on that I, I renamed these people the set aside media. Yeah. And just as the farmers had to set aside their fields by spraying them with poison, they are spreading poison over the truth, killing the truth in Irish life, turning Ireland, Ireland into an island of lies. Let's call it lie land. The, the, the Ireland of Joe Brawley is actually called Lyland. Uh, that's what I have to say to Joe. 
and it doesn't bear it doesn't warrant any more discussion really what he said so let's talk about it's interesting the british media as you know has really picked up on the the events of last thursday and then the reaction to them and then the 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 call by the irish Taoiseach leo varadkar to expedite the uh, ratifying of and the introduction into law of the hate speech bill in Ireland. Um, are you surprised? This this is an interesting question. Are you surprised at the international attention to this and at the fact that so many newspaper writers internationally, at least in this country anyway, are scathing in their condemnation of it? Yeah, I, I am somewhat. I'm, I'm very surprised in a sense and I'm very gratified in another sense uh, because for a very long time these people, uh, generally the media outside Ireland, have shown no understanding of what's actually happen, been happening to us. That there has been a coup in Ireland and that the, the normative uh, institutional values and protections and checks and balances have been dispensed with. You know, not just in the COVID project, but in the, in the sense that, you know, our, our constitution has come under attack now for well over a decade. Numerous hammer blows delivered to it by what is called woke, in the interest of woke, you know, starting off with an attack in 2012, which was ostensibly in the name of children's rights, which was a, a fraudulent uh, thesis in terms of what they were about. It, what they were really doing was taking the rights of parents and transferring them to the states. And people bought into that very foolishly. Uh, we tried to fight it we didn't succeed. We took a court case, we won the court case, but we still didn't succeed at, 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 the, at the polls because the propaganda levels were so intense. Same in the, in the marriage referendum, so-called in 2015. Same in the abortion referendum, you know, an abortion carried by lies, uh, by untruths. Uh, so, you see, th this has been a long-term war against Ireland and against everything that Ireland has been and is. And in terms of the Ireland as a, as a country capable of maintaining its own people in a decent and ethical fashion, that day is gone now because we are basically being run by riffraff of the most extreme kind. You know, like the people that, that Brawley there is talking about are the decent people of Ireland, the working people of Ireland. The very people he's attacking are the people that, are, that he's talking about. You see, that, that, that he describes there because this so-called far right are the honest decent people of Ireland, the people who want, who value their country, who want to defend their country, who want to protect their communities, who want to ensure that their communities remain safe places for their children, who want to make sure that their schools are not infiltrated by filth, you know, uh, by, and that by that I mean the, the LGBT campaign to spread, you know, uh, pornography and, and uh, 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 propaganda in, in, for, in, in schools from a very early age and as regards children. All of this, you know, uh, what happened in the in Dublin last week it was really scandalous, but not in the way that Mr. Brawley says. This was an infiltration of a, 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 a perfectly peaceful, as has happened numerous times, by the way, over the last four years in relation to lockdowns and so on. What happens is that, that the ordinary people of Ireland, of Dublin, or whatever it is, go onto the streets to make known their feelings. And these uh, demonstrations are infiltrated by Antifa and other thugs who are being supervised and guided by Angarda Shikona, who we are laughably uh, uh, the, the, the guardians of the peace. Uh, and this is what happened again. John, do you have and, proof of this? Sorry to interrupt you. Do you have proof no, that the well, police... Well, I, I have been watching this for, for a very long time, uh, Richie. Uh, I, I tell you a story. Uh, two years ago, on, on New Year's Eve, there was a story that went out 
uh, that uh, on New Year's Day it was reported that on New Year's Eve a fire had taken place in a Masonic Hall in Mulder Street in Dublin. And there was articles in the newspapers and particularly in the Irish Times when it was alleged that this was anti-vaxxers who had tried to burn down the Masonic Hall because they were saying that the Masons were responsible for the, the, the vaccines and for the deaths and injuries that they were causing. This is completely false. And I showed in an article I wrote that it was false because I, they, they, they produced graffiti, which was graffiti, which was on the street in front of the steps, a photograph in the Irish Times. And I had photographs of that same step from the night before while the fire was in train and there was no graffiti there. And they claimed that they had, the guards claimed they had arrested a man and they had fallen out a window and they had him, he was in, injured and in St. James's Hospital. Nothing has been heard of this case since. Right. This was an attempt at felon setting to blame the people who are democratically objecting to a very dangerous experimental vaccine to demonise them and criminalise them in the eyes of the Irish people. This is what they're doing all the time. And I've no doubt whatsoever, I was out of the country, but from what I've heard about this on Thursday night, the same thing was going on. That these people, they, this is an attempt to basically, uh, they've been doing it from the start. I mean, these guys, uh, they drew Harris, the commissioner of Angarda Siakona, who is a foreigner, who comes from, from Northern Ireland, he's a unionist, uh, has no affinity or affection for Ireland whatsoever. Quite the contrary, I would say. And he's been saying for the last few years about talking about the far right. And whenever he's asked who they are, he can't say. He says, oh, well, their leaders, they have no clear leaders and they're indistinct and they're nebulous, you know, and they slip and this. Oh, they're, he's like, they're like phantoms. They are a phantom. The yeah. far right is a phantom. It doesn't exist. Like the terrorist sleeper cells we were warned about by George W. Bush and yes. by Tony Blair, and they never yes. existed either. And this is now very interesting because, you know, this is a thing now that this concept, which has come emanating from the United States now at the hands of the, the FBI and the CIA and the deep state in general uh, of domestic terrorism. And domestic terrorism is essentially disagreeing with your government on issues like this. So if parents, mothers, go to meetings in school about, you know, the, 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 the syllabus and they object to the fact that there's LGBT propaganda on the, pro, on the school programme, on the syllabus, the next thing, they get visits from the FBI and their doors are battered down at 7am in the morning and they're dragged out in chains. This has happened. Uh, there's an excellent movie just come out uh, in the United States now. It's on BitChute if people want to look at it. It's called Police State. It's by Denise D'Souza, who's an Indian man, an immigrant into America in the 1970s, who is so appalled by what he's seen there that he has made this movie about, about America in 2023. And, but he's also, little, although he doesn't understand it, he is also talking about Ireland in 2023 because the same playbook is being used in our beloved country. I can understand why you believe. Now, I, I, I take my lead from, I took my lead my, my approach to journalism from people like yourself, right? I'm not buttering you up. So I'm going to say this. I understand why you think that the Gardaí might give cover to Antifa and some of these agents. And you might very well be right, but I'm going to say there's no definitive proof that they're doing that. But I understand well, no, okay, you suspect well, let, let me tell yeah. you again, going back, to, uh, I ran for election in 2020. Uh, the only time in my life and the last time in my life. But I went for the doll for, in Dunleary, my constituency at the time. And I remember one night that there was a meeting I was invited to by Jim O'Doherty and, and other speakers were to be there in Bal Balbriggan. And when we got there, 
when I got there, I was threatened by mass thugs at the gate. And they tried to block my entrance. I eventually got in. Another speaker was blocked at the gate in his car and the mob started jumping up and down in his car and kicked in his windscreen. The guards were standing, looking at them, laughing. I remember you telling me this. And the man in the car was told that he better get the hell out of there or they would arrest him for blocking the road. What? what? That's, that's what? the kind of police force we have now. With, 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 and we um, saw that with knobs on during the COVID thing where they were dragging people off buses by the hair of their head and, you yeah. know, uh, threatening people, menacing people on the roads, blocking them, asking them personal questions, all of this, when they should have said on day one, we're not doing this. Well, do you know, as, as we, because we live in this age where everybody is filming everything and everybody, why do you think they were so brazen about laughing while thugs were kicking in cars and threatening people like yourself. Why Why so brazen? Could could it be oh, that they're so safe or they feel so safe? No, that... I'll tell you what it is. It's exactly, it gels with what, what Broly, the way Broly's tone there when he's speaking in a, in a safe studio and news talk where he knows he'll get softball questions and there's nobody to question him, right? What this is actually, this is part of something that's been going on for years. Uh, it's a shift in culture, which basically it operates on the demonization of dissident voices. And once you demonize somebody, uh, you can then treat them in any way you like, and you feel valorous in doing that. So in other words, if, if, if uh, Jim O'Doherty or John Waters or Donald Trump, whoever it might be, is getting kicked or dragged through the courts or whatever it might be, that's a reason for celebration. Why? Because they're wicked people. Yeah. They don't agree with our views, so they can't be right. They must be wrong. They must be bad. And when they're bad, we have no obligation to treat season. them in the way we would if they were normal, decent citizens like us. Every, anything, anything goes if they've been it, yeah, deemed to be called, in the wrong. It's called, the principle is called repressive tolerance. Uh, a guy called Herbert, Mer, Herbert Mercuse, who was a philosopher who was involved in this thing called the, the Frankfurt School going back to the 1930s. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's where a lot of this culture Marxist stuff came out of, that kind of think tank, as it were. And, and that, that, this is, so this is what it is. That's why, you know, you, you don't, like, you know, I came off a plane last, uh, I was in, in, in Spain for 10 days, 11 days, and I came up off a plane in, in Dublin airport on Friday night at about half 11 in the evening. And immediately I was set upon by a woman who accused me of having incited the riots that happened in Dublin the night no, before. No, really? Honestly? Yeah. yeah. But you see, they feel, not only do they feel valorous in doing that, they feel heroic, but they also feel that this, the culture, they have reconstructed the culture around them where that at the very least nobody will intervene. And this is absolutely chilling and very important that people understand this, that there is what I call mutism that has been imposed on our cultures now because people are literally afraid to even think in public now for fear they will think the wrong thing and somebody will know from the look on their face what they're thinking about. I mean, we've had things, that sounds like an exaggeration. But no, it doesn't, not to me. In, not Brit to me. in Britain, where a woman was, was said to be praying in her head and she was arrested yeah. outside an abortion clinic. Well, I interviewed her on this programme, the lady in question. Now, yeah. you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. You see what I'm talking about? This is, so, so, and what happened to me was that the people around me, even though they would know me for years, I'm attacked by this squawking woman, this very offensive woman, and everybody is sort of looking with their ears. 
but they're not saying anything and they're not doing anything. Yeah, in days gone by, you know, you'd have gone over and said, excuse me, madam, can you leave the gentleman alone, please? He's minding his yeah, own business. Say, yeah, you say, listen, is this man, yeah. is, this, are you, is this woman troubling you? Yeah, or, yeah, what, yeah. You know, can I help? You know, do you, look, would you just, like, you know, you had your say, Give now, him please, a break, can you just yeah. stand over there? You know, uh, no, no, that day's gone. These people have the run of the country now. And this is why, ultimately, when we get to what's happening at the higher level, that these guys like Radker feel confident that they can push through this tyranny, this totalitarianity that they now have planned for Ireland. Because this has been in the works for a long time. And, you know, you've noticed that what I notice now about these guys in Ireland is exactly the same as the demeanor of, of Turdo in, in, in uh, Canada Turtle. there a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. Where he 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 when people when at the very moment when you think this guy's really lost it and this guy's really out on a limb now, that's the moment he doubles down. That's the moment he calls the cop the the robocops in. That's the moment he seizes bank accounts of people because they disagree with him and insist on exercising their democratic rights to protest in the streets. This is what people like Brawley actually defending. You see. And they're doing it on the basis of this principle of repressive tolerance, which is the inversion of human constitutional understandings or the conventions of the world that have been going back to the Magna Carta, which has treated each person equally and given each person the right to have an opinion of his own and to have it expressed it in public. No, no, they're undoing this whole culture. They're taking it apart piece by piece. And ultimately, they're taking us back to the Middle Ages. Yeah. This is neo-feudalism in preparation. Because what the world that they're coming into, we're coming into now for all kinds of complicated reasons. And we've discussed some of them, the technological aspects and so on before, Richie. But essentially, the human race will be, to all intents and purposes, obsolete in, in social and economic terms. And they're, they're basically going to improve, imprison. I won't be around, thank God. Uh, they, 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 but I, I feel very bad about leaving this world at this moment when I can't help the, the, my loved ones who will have to live on in, in a long time, for a long time. But that they, 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 they are basically will put people into hubs, into little pods in, in a, of apartments in hive cities. They will be there with their screens. They will get their food delivered. Uh, they will have no move, no freedom of movement, really, we're talking about, maybe a little an hour's exercise a day. It'll be quite like the lockdown, only a lot worse. And this is what these people, when, whether they know it or not, I, I, I mean, I, I give them, the, I, I have to give people like Brawley a little bit of, of, of slack here because they are stupid. We don't know, that's right. We don't know if he means it or not. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, they are stupid people. And, and, and yeah. so we, you know, we have to now be fair, to be in all fairness to him, he is very stupid. He certainly doesn't come, <laughs> come across as very bright. <laughs> Let's be honest about it. And can I just throw this in there? Stay with me now. This will take 30 seconds. It won't even take. This is how I believe, and I've believed this for a long time, because you know, you know this programme predates COVID and all that. We've been around a long time. So this is where I think it's going, right? This is how they're going to sell it. Listen to William Shatner. Because the, the thing you described of living in a pod, having the food delivered to you, 15 minutes cities, watching your screens, this is ultimately their biggest weapon, I think we're burrowing into our own graves really i'm so unhappy that you don't understand how imperative the situation is we're dying man your children are going to have difficulty living do you understand that so do you see that's william shatner screaming at a good morning britain reporter about the imminent threat of climate collapse do you 
go along with me. Hopefully you don't because it's always good for a bit of back and forth. I think climate change will is their biggest weapon and they'll go all in with it in that kind of poker parlance. What do you reckon? Well, I, I, I'm not sure it's their biggest weapon, Richie, for a reason that I want to come back to in a moment. Right. But I agree it's, it's a weapon. Maybe it's just timing now. But the, 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 definitely they are intent upon using it and it will be critical. But the reason I don't I'm not sure is I recently was at the Jordan Peterson uh, gig in London uh, and uh, the ARC thing, the Alliance of, uh, um, what is it called? Uh, citizens uh, of something, I can't remember what it stands for. Uh, 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 oh yeah, Alliance of Responsible Citizens, right? And I went along, I was invited along. I mean, uh, you know, you paid your own way and all that. But I, I was asked, you know, to, and, and it was, I was very interested in seeing well, this man who has the, the cultural power to actually really achieve things if he sought to use that power in a certain way. And I've been trying to encourage him from a distance. I've never met him. I don't know the man, but I've written quite a bit about him, trying to, to, to put it out there that, you know, he needs to start speaking about certain things. And he hasn't been. And particularly the COVID, and I was there, and I was in the back blobbing shells in on the into the the app, you know, which had the capacities and send messages, but they weren't reading them out about where. Well, what like, can we talk about the elephant in the room, you know, which is the the COVID coup and its uh, its ongoing uh, consequences. Uh, but the one thing I noticed was that this the climate thing, which he's very much opposes this thing. I mean, he's very good on it. You know, he's really good and solid on it. But this was the one thing which seemed to be to belong to what I would call the agenda of the world, the new world order that he was challenging openly. The other elements he wasn't really. The award Ukraine was never used. Yeah, you know, there was a bit about the Middle East and, you know, the, there was a kind of a neocon vibe to that, which is fine. I don't mind. Uh, I'm not, I don't take sides in that. But, I, you know, if that's, you know, people are entitled to have their debates, but there were no debates on it. It was a pretty standard, straightforward pro-Israel rail line. Uh, but on the climate change, he was really good. And I found that interesting, that here they were with starting a movement, which is, it was the first public meeting of this conference. There was 1,500 people there. And, and it was the first, I thought, this is very interesting, that they're pushing this kind of right of centre movement, shall we say, which comes from the idea from out of Peterson's ideas, which primarily have to do with, you know, it's caricature, you know, clean your room. It's kind of get your own act together before yeah. you try to change the world. Be so that it's like it's like his, his solution to the world, the problems of the world is each person individually to get improve themselves and then, then collectively we'll improve the world. I don't buy that. I think that there's, there's something more direct and immediate and urgent to be done. And that's to actually take down the, the scum who are running the world now for the World Economic Forum, the Weffers, the Mother Weffers, and the governments of the West, which are who are all, which are all pretty much captured, of captured by it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so for that reason, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, but I do agree. I mean, you know, like it's very, it's very. See, the propaganda is is all over the place. I overheard a conversation on the plane on the way back. Two women were talking about, you know, uh, there's a drought on in, in, in Andalusia for the last few years because it hasn't rained very much, you know. And uh, uh, I think actually my own theory is to fix their toilets. Their toilets are all leaking. If they fix the toilets, they would get stopped. You might have more water. Yeah. <laughs> but I heard one, one woman to say with great clarity and great emphasis to the other, well, I think it's climate change. That's what I think. And, and I, th I was very interested in that construction because like, it was so definitive. And so absolute. And I felt like sort of reaching over and saying to her, 
How long did you spend thinking about that? Why are you so definite about it? Yeah. Yeah. But you say you think that. How long have you? She didn't think it at all, of course. You see, people have actually, people think they're thinking when they don't know what thinking is. You know, Martin Heidegger's wife, you know, uh, when somebody would come unannounced to the house, to, to the philosopher's husband, Martin Heidegger, and very often somebody would come and, and try to, to, to want to talk to him, you know, and she would answer the door and very politely she'd say, my husband is thinking. You know, like yeah. the word, that's, you see, there's a different, like Pope Benedict used to lie on a couch when he was thinking. But people now hear something on the radio and then they say, I think that. Yeah, that's it's what in I there. Think. Yeah, yeah, and that's what the, that's the that's again going back to Brawley. He thinks what he thinks because that's the way he's got it. He doesn't know anything about the far right because he couldn't because they don't exist. They don't exist in Ireland. No, you, you look. We we when when we saw in late nineties, we talked about this before when we did see an influx. Yeah, there was a bit of resistance, but it wasn't by thuggish um, far right people. It was just uh, people concerned about their own areas and the provisions available in their own areas. There there never was and isn't a far right in Ireland. Let me just do this. John Waters is our guest. Uh, do subscribe to John through his Substack. It is johnwaters.substack.com. John written for everybody the Irish Times the Irish Independent Sunday Tribune um, when the media was freer in Ireland John could be found on television and radio constantly he's written some brilliant books as well John Waters on Substack.com let me read a couple of quick comments because um, you're, you're, you're motivating them uh, this evening uh, this one from uh, Jenny Jenny says Richie um, I was also I was threatened on a bus a couple of times by Gardi over the mask mandates back in the day even though I had an exemption John is right and um, people should have refused to comply with the restrictions at the time and if people just did if they had a push back a little bit then says Jenny maybe we, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in to now I, I, I feel that sentiment from, from Jenny but I also say kind of shoulda woulda coulda there's nothing we can do about that now other than hope John that if they were to try and introduce the notion that there's another pathogen that's of, of concern and we need you to you know shut your businesses down again I like to think I'm hanging on to this is that more people than we imagine would say um, no feck off no no not again yes I think that's coming but you know the other thing is the more the bigger thing is that these campaigns about disinformation misinformation you know uh, these things that are <clears throat> so uh, literally nebulous uh, that nobody can actually say what. What is disinformation? Well, it's something you don't agree with. And if the government doesn't agree with you, everything you say is disinformation. And this, if disinformation can land you in jail, which under the hate speech legislation they're proposing, it actually can. Um, well, tough luck. Tough shit, Paddy. Welcome to Welcome to North Korea. Yeah. And that's what they want to do. They want this hate speech bill, because when it was first published, you and I went through it. It is, look, it's it's a cliche to say it's terrifying, but it's also terrifying. I mean, it's horrendous. The scope, the power it gives the government and the Garda Síochána in Ireland to nab people, to nab well, people, see, based on a yeah, hunch. It's, but it's fascinating, isn't it? Isn't it fascinating, Richie, to think about, you know, we think these two islands, like in the figures that we know on it, whether it's in, you know, in the Fine Gael, uh, progressive guys, Labour, uh, Labour in Britain, you know, uh, the, the, the Lib Dems, you know, and you think all your life, you think these guys, you know, I don't agree with them because they're actually too lax about things and they don't really understand why certain, you know, principles are necessary and certain instruments are there. But the last thing anybody, anybody of us would actually have 
ever predicted would be that these would be the guys who would end up being the tyrants. Yeah. That these would be the guys who would take away all our freedoms, not just, you know, necessary uh, curtailments of, you know, where there was a conflict of freedoms in some context or other, but all everybody's freedoms and that they would do it with a smirk on their faces, which is what's happening. And and this is to me, to this day, I can't get my head around this. I'm wrestling with it every day. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. I said to him, how do you think they're able to do this? Because they seem to be like purely uh, pathological at this point, where they just seem to have lost all, all concepts of empathy for ordinary people of their own kind. They have loads of pseudo empathy for outsiders whether it's corporations or migrants or asylum seekers, fake asylum seekers or, or some whatever. Vulnerable but they group have zero them, yeah. empathy for their own people. And yeah. what he said to me was very interesting because I'd never thought about it before. He said there are, there are undoubtedly, he says, drugs that you can take that allow you to function perfectly in every other way and yet suspend your empathy. And I thought that's a chilling thought. That they basically, you can actually become an automaton, a functional automaton, with the help of drugs. And how many, I thought that was true. This is a I brilliant point, true. and I never considered this either. So how many 20-somethings, or 30-somethings even, because it's been going on a long time, how many 30-somethings who buy into this wokery and buy into that it's okay to destroy, completely destroy the person who disagrees with you, how many of them were taking drugs like Ritalin back in the 90s and, and, and early 2000s? Yes. I wonder. Yes. That's brilliant. Yes. Well, I mean, we, ha we have to consider the fact that Ireland in particular is really the European headquarters of Big Pharma. You know, they've been running the country for 35 years, 40 years. Like they came into Ireland with the, with the promise that they could pollute to their heart's content. The waters, the water courses, the, the, the fields, didn't matter, didn't matter, the lakes, no problem. They called it the natural endowment factor of Ireland. And they said that that allowed for an absorption capacity, which would take many, many years to show up on any detector, detector uh, unit. And essentially, that was one of the great inducements of these people, because they were run, on the run from new environmental legislation in the United States and elsewhere. And Ireland was the perfect haven. I wrote an article about it 35 years ago. And the headline on the article was The Promised Land. Did, you get, any, did you get any blowback for that at the time? Not at the time. No, 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 no. There was, there was quite, uh, uh, you know, I mean, at that time, you see, you could do journalism and you were protected and you were defended. And because you were, that was known and nobody tried it on. Yeah. Whereas now everybody tries it on because they know that the guys running these newspapers have no backbone and their only interest in the bottom line are not going to offend anybody who might have any reason to affect their bottom line at any time now or in the future. Can I throw a point in there? That's, that's what's going on in all of this. Can I throw a quick point in there? I wasn't at all surprised, but I was still pretty much, ho pretty much dismayed at how conservatives who kicked off about the the assault on free speech and the right to move during the COVID thing um, jumped all over the rights of people to go to take to the streets to protest what's happening in Gaza. Now, I completely respect you for not taking sides on that. I completely respect some of my closest friends who are completely all in with Israel 
I'm the opposite. I'm not all in with Israel, but I don't get upset when, when somebody comes on the show to say they support Israel, which I've had. So mm. I couldn't believe that somebody, even people like Alison Pearson in the Telegraph, couldn't believe it. And then, sorry, I could believe it, but I was dismayed by it. I thought, what have they learned? Like, what's wrong with them? Is it Gary Lineker? Now, I, I think Gary Lineker, I'm going to use a terrible, we shouldn't, we, we're supposed to be more professional. Gary Lineker is a prize prick, in my opinion. I have no interest in him. But he's entitled to his opinion. I don't give a shit if he's implied by the BBC. And again, I could, you know, again, people swarming all over Gary Lineker. Shut up, shut up, shut up. The same people who whinged about being told to keep silent and they had their accounts banned during COVID. So, so this is a kind of a disease that affects everybody. Because when it suits people, oh, don't inf- infringe upon my free speech rights. But then, you know, p- people who should know better, they can't wait to jump all over. Well, they shouldn't be allowed to march in, pro- in, in protest against Israel. That well, really that's right. pisses me I mean, off, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you hear that all the time now. You know, you have, I heard of a, somebody was telling me about a particular, I won't mention names, but there was a, re, a free speech rally in Dublin there a, few, a couple of months ago, and a certain well-known personality stood up to defend free speech. And he spent the first half of his speech talking about one person who he said shouldn't be allowed to speak. <laughs> you know, why? Because he disagreed with this person. Yeah. And and so, so like, you see, once you you see, once you sell out, so sell the the principle, you just stand, yeah. sit, sit down then, because you're on the other side. They don't uh, understand yeah. this, but you see, that's repressive tolerance, and it's a kind of a disease, a virus that spreads because people feel it in other places, and they 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 don't really understand it, but they think, oh, you can now do that. Well, and then they start sort of qualifying that. Well, I'm in favour of free speech, but not for him because obviously he's a fascist. That's ridiculous. Well, who it? decided he was a fascist? Yeah. Oh, I did. Okay, so so can I decide that you're a fascist and say that you're not entitled to speak as well? I wind up some of my listeners because over the years I've never been a fan of um, Stephen Lennon, a.k.a. Tommy Robinson. Now, I interviewed the guy a couple of times when I was working for Talk Radio Europe and I gave him a bit of a chasing. And on one of the phone calls he hung up on me, he, was, he said that Muslims like beating up their women. And I said, now, Tommy... You know, did you ever hear that one about people who live in glass houses? So he hung up on, and that's fine, that's grand, that's the way it goes. Um, And my listeners, some of them don't like the fact that I take the mickey out of them unmercifully, but nobody on the trade unionist side of things or on the left, as, as I would have considered myself, stood up for him years ago when PayPal deleted him. I did. Um, nobody who didn't like him said it was outrageous that he was arrested in pepper spray. I did. It was outrageous that he was uh, arrested in pepper spray. Again, you mentioned North Korea. What's going on? The guy hasn't committed any crimes. He's entitled to his opinion. If you don't like it, and if, like me, you think he's a bit of a thick fucker, well, debate him and take him yeah. apart. But, le- but, yeah. but allow him speak. Never, ever, ever uh, deny him the right to free speech. But um, but yeah, there that's are, right. Well, you, you yeah. see, that was a, also a principle of journalism uh, in the olden days. You know, that you know, you each journalist. I mean, I found I, when I was an editor, like I found that the best journalists were people with strong political views in one way or the other. Right? They, it was always I mean, like you, the people who were wishy-washy or apathetic or apolitical were never any good. So that's obviously a, potentially a problem, or was it potentially a problem, and that you would be getting biased journalism. But actually, the culture was the direct opposite because the culture was that, you know, you would sort of own up to your bias, to your position, and then you would take on a responsibility to counteract that yeah. by being extra fair to the other side. Yeah. And that's what used to happen. And I used to do that. And I know some of the great journalists I worked with, like Derek Dunn was a great guy. He died 
very young, you know, he was a brilliant journalist. And he was like that. Like he was, you know, he was pro Sinn Féin. He was left wing. But I could send him to, out to interview the most kind of dogged conservative person. And he would come back with a beautiful profile of him. Yeah, and great. give him full space for his opinions and not make snide comments in between. Just, you know, tease it out and maybe a little bit of an argument with him or whatever. And that's lost. But that was re- that was real. That was journalism then, you know. And, and some of the best pieces, if you look back, when you read books of journalism going back, you see that tendency in all the stuff in it, or an awful lot of stuff in it. Uh, there other, of course, there were, there were pieces written by people, satirical pieces about certain people that whatever. That's another discipline in the whole thing. But this, you know, that open openness, and that was the thing. I remember when I was in the Irish Times, uh, it was a, Douglas Gageby, the, the, the great editor of the Irish Times, who, who got me in the first place because he was going to give me a job. And then I decided against him. But he said he was on the board and he kept going on about me and he got me in. But, you know, he was a Northern Ireland unionist and he came down to the Republic. And what actually happened was he went native. And he ter- he brought the Irish Times with him for a long time and turned it into the a voice of the Irish people, of, of the Irish nation. And, and a very good one for a, for a good few years until it kind of burned out under the, the attacks from the woke quarters and so on. And now it's a terrible rack. But he was the kind of guy who would insist on people, you know, being fair and being decent to people and, and treat them and you know, find out about somebody before you start slogging, slagging them off. And time and time again, Richie, in my life as a journalist, I found that in my, in my own journey <clears throat> where I would have a terrible prejudice about somebody. And I would go out to meet that person with maybe a half a notion of sending them up or slagging them off in some way. And I would spend hours with them. And I'd find out entirely different aspects of them that were not known to me and weren't known to the people and that were profoundly interesting. And I I realized very quickly that you're far better off writing the truth about somebody than trying to just have a cheap shot at them. Isn't that so true? I was very disappointed a couple of weeks ago with my own listeners and it pissed me off. And I I pissed myself off, really. Look, I've, I've said... I've left nothing unsaid about Israel over the years. I don't like its governments. I never have done. I'm a history graduate. I know the history of the region going back hundreds of years. My sympathies are with the Palestinian people and anybody. Anybody yeah. who's murdered or attacked. What happened on the 7th is terrible. Whatever happened. Um, a life is a life and, and it's wrong. Like I was a Republican, but I never supported the IRA. So I don't have any time for violence. But I've said things like genocide, ethnic cleansing. I did at one time over the years compare Netanyahu to, not to Hitler, but to Nazi thought. You know, it's okay to keep people in a concentration camp. It's okay to bomb them whenever you feel like. So in the strongest terms. But I interviewed Daniel Ben-Ami, who's an Israeli-born journalist, who's very pro-Israel. And during our conversation, which was very cordial and chatty, as we, like yourself, like, you know, we, we, we're we Irish, we have chatty conversations. I made those points to him. I said, look, this is how I feel about it. And he came back and said, well, this is why I disagree with you and Israel and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, I thought I might get one, maybe I've got too much of an ego, maybe I need to put my ego in check. I thought I might get one email from somebody saying, Richie, despite how strongly you feel about Palestine, um, well done for having a chat with this um, Zionist guy and letting him speak. No, I, yeah. got, I got hammered by people who agree with me saying that I must be shilling for Israel because I gave him an easy ride. 
because they yeah. wanted me to jump all over well, him and scream at him and interrupt him. You, can you win, Richie? You, you can't. can't and, that, and, and, and again, it's not about me. I don't want to make it about me. No. But that's everywhere. No. And I thought, Jesus Christ, you, you know what I think about Israel. So you don't need me to rant at this man. You know, you need well, to. Well, you know something, Richie, I'm not necessarily appending this to any particular individual. But one of the things that flashed across my mind there when you were talking about, you know, Israel and Netanyahu and the things that people do, and maybe you could throw in Hamas there and you could yeah. throw in all kinds of tyrannical outfits. And the one thought, one thought that came to me, going back to our friend Joe Brawley, who I have nothing against, you know, I have no reason to dislike him or anything. I'm, you know, get into a bit of slagging. But I would have one question for, for Joe Brawley. If you're going to describe women with prams in the street protesting their right to defend their community. If you're going to call them far right, yeah. what are you going to call the real far right when you meet them? Isn't that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you're going to run out of words really quick, you know? Yeah, you've got like, to... You know, it's like somebody said, I remember a line once about the, the... Some guy was talking about, you know, the way young women were dressing nowadays, you know? And he says, what worries me? He says, what are the whores going to wear? You know, like it, 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 there's nothing left. Yeah. And and the, these people with their far right and their, you know, white supremacists, they're, they're against ordinary working people. Leveling those terrible names against ordinary working people. They have no language to describe the real thing. What if Adolf comes down the, the road again with a tank? Huh? Yeah, would they recognize what are you him? What are you going yeah. to call him? On the on this, this is a really good thread. Does the when when you, you you bandy it about so regularly, does it eventually work against those who use it because it loses its impact on the populace? Because after a while, they maybe because they get called this name and they get labelled as such often enough that it loses all of its impact and they come out yeah. of their shell a bit, maybe. Do you, do you think that might well, happen? I, I, I do think that's happened, Richie, that the, the thing loses power. Because, you see, it is a spell word. These are all spell words. Like, far right is a spell term because it's something that normally or theoretically nobody wants to have appended to them to be stuck and stuck to their forehead, like, you know. But at a certain point, you begin to realise it's the badge of honour. If morons are calling you that, well, then it's a joke. And you say, okay, I'm far right. <laughs> you yeah. know, right so far. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I mean, but eventually, and that's really the only antidote to that, that people have to go through it, go through the fire of, of the, 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 the minor humiliation that you might feel in the beginning, go through it and realize it's the badge of honor that you're over the target. And they and should listen really to you, the... John. They should listen hmm? to you. They, they should listen to you because you had this, you know, you, you, you had an attempt by the state to humiliate you at a national level, you had it in the press, you had it on radio, you had it on television. Yeah. When you when you stood up alongside Gemma and did what you did, which was glorious and brilliant, and was never a failure, even if sometimes you might think it might have been, it wasn't. It was never a failure because it's out there and it's an energy and it starts something. It might have inspired somebody. Yeah. And I do believe I agree in that. With that. I do yeah. believe that. In all humility, I do believe yeah. that, Richie. Because uh, uh, I hear now, I mean, I heard something yesterday that somebody said to me that I would trust, said to me that, you know, You'd be surprised, John. You know, you you intend to you're inclined to slag off the judges, but you know there are quite a few judges in that system who are 
beginning to agree with you. Yeah, wouldn't that be fantastic if it's true? And I think it might very well be true. Johnwaters.substack.com. I'm looking at the clock. We've got about 15 or so minutes uh, left with uh, John today. Johnwaters.substack.com. Hugely accomplished Irish writer and journalist. We have been talking about the hate speech bill, which I, I, it's amazing who's talking about it. You've got you know guys like Tucker Carlson's got a huge following. Mm. I'm told that Joe Rogan had something to say about it. Now I do dip in and out of Joe's podcast because as you well know my friend we love the long form conversations I believe he's had something to say about it Ireland is making uh, the headlines around the world 80% or more of the Irish people these far right lunatics uh, do not want this tyranny but yet more than 9 out of 10 TDs are behind it is that right or something like that well, yeah. I mean, if you look at, 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 at the, well, and that's not just in that heading, like, you know, under that heading, but virtually everything you want to talk about, whether it's, you know, assisted dying or abortion related or exclusion zones around abortion clinics or, you know, mass migration. What you find is that the numbers in the, the parliament, in the doll in Ireland, like are like 10 to 1 against what the people believe. It's It's a diametric opposite. Like, you know, 90% of the people will be on the other side to 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 uh, uh, 90% of the politicians, of the, who are supposed to be their representatives. Now that's that's a very very interesting and educational uh, little uh, 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 algorithm or, or equation. <laughs> it doesn't work, does it really? No, it doesn't work, and it's not public. It's not democracy. It's it's clearly at cop. We Ireland is now a corporatocracy. I've been saying I wrote this uh, years ago. It's a corporatocracy. We're run by the corporations, which is essentially, by the way, when you have a combination of corporates and politicians, there's only one word for that, and that actually is fascism. That's what it clinically, technically is. That's what Mussolini called it, and he was the man that would know. Going to say this to you. Um, I'm going to go back to climate change. I love a row. I can never get a row out of you, but I'm going to have a row with you. You know, you know the things they want to do, keep people in 15-minute cities and yeah. um, restrict people from flying and change their diets and um, change the cars. The only way they can do this is by claiming that we're on the verge of climate collapse. And that's why I, 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 I am absolutely convinced that what's going to come out of this COP28 conference in the UAE, which begins tomorrow... At the end of it, there will be some agreement on even further emissions. And I reckon they are going to push really hard for restrictions on the things people can do, John. And I'm, I'm really concerned about that, yeah. to be honest. Yes. Well, well first of all, I'd say that it's very important, in my view, that people distinguish in their minds two things. One is the question of whether there is a problem, uh, you know, and what the nature of that problem is. And then to, to, there is the broader question of what is going on. Because what is going on is nothing to do with the problem. Like the problem of, of, of you know, I, I, climate change, I don't think that, I think that's that's a particular ideological term. There are clearly problems in, of, of environmental nature in the modern world arising from industrialization and so on, and, and pollution of that kind. But look, you know, I, a man here in Ireland last couple of weeks ago I saw where he did it, put a tracker of some kind on his cardboard as he was putting it out with his green bin. And he tracked it all the way to pool bag incinerator. Jesus. It wasn't being recycled. It wasn't being at all. recycled at all then. So this is this is a, a, a con beyond belief. I I had a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses at my front door there last week, 
uh, over in Spain. And, and, and they, were, they had a booklet that was all about climate change. And I said to the guy, I said, you know, this is all a hoax. It's all a hoax. He said, well, I'm a scientist. I'm a scientific background. I said, yeah, well, tell me this, I said. Just can you riddle me this? How is it, I said, that the politicians, most powerful politicians in the world, who are in power in America, for example, let's say America, for years, where they have access to the best intelligence in the world about everything, not just military, but also scientific and so on, that when they come out of office, the first thing they do is they buy a beachfront property in somewhere like Florida <laughs> That's right. or maybe Massachusetts. <laughs> well, do they not know? Yeah. Do, do they not know? Do, like, do they not know that there's a sea there? Is that 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 thing that blue stuff there in front of them is actually water, and that they've been telling people for the last ten years that this is going to rise within the next ten years and it's going to drown us all and then reduce the size of our countries in half? And he's looking at me with his mouth open. See, people again going back to the thing. Well, it's climate. I, that's what I think. I think it's climate change. That's what I think. But the thing is, you don't think, baby. That's your problem. You're not thinking at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the percentages always get me. The percentage of CO two. The atmosphere is made up of gases, as we know, and CO two makes up zero point zero four percent of the atmosphere, and of that. Um, we produce as people, and that's including agriculture, a very tiny fraction of that. Most of it comes yes. naturally. And this is a fact, really. And then when you look at all the IPCC climate models going back 25, 30 years, they omit the impact of the sun. I mean, they do. I'm not making, I know you know this, but some of our listeners <laughs> might think I'm bullshitting. They don't. It falls apart with two or three sentences, really. Yes, and of course, they've been doing this for, for 50 years now. You know, if you go back, you'll see the same predictions going back to the 70s. And, and none of them have come true. There's been virtually no change except fluctuation that's happened through all the history of the, of the planet. You know, like, and really what's happening, what, what is imminent now is a mini ice age. That's what we should be thinking about, worrying about, because of these, these cyclical things happen and that we're at, the end of, we're at the end of a particular loop now and it's about to, to, to blend into a new one and to morph into a new one. And that's, that's, that's something like, you know, a grand solar minimum. You know, when the, the, the sun chills, cools down, cools down and, and, and we're, we're suddenly, you know, uh, uh, need, need, we need to put our, uh, an extra jumper on. You know, but <laughs> like, you see, when that happens, they'll have a, a lie again. You see, this is the, their, their whole talent is manufacturing lies because they can twist everything into something that is not. You know, like these climate is intensely chaotic and unpredictable. Uh, you know, uh, like it, it's a chaotic system by definition. And so, you know, because the, the energy changes form. So you can't tell whether energy, a particular, uh, you know, uh, energy is going to turn into something hotter or colder. I mean, if you put the, your hand on the back of your fridge, it's hot. Yeah. And the purpose of that heat is to generate cold in the fridge. So, like, uh, how were how these calculations made? that it's going to get hotter or colder. It's about energy. And energy is constantly changing form. Pollution is a different matter. 
we have a huge problem in Ireland with our with our with our water waste. We have a huge problem in Ireland with the the quality of our soil now, which with, as a result of the use of fertilizer for years and years in in in, in you know specialising in 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 breeding cattle. You know the, the the soil in lots of parts of the country is inert. It's you know effectively it's inert, and and we do need people who have understanding of those things. But the last thing we need are green people, green party people, green politicians, because their agenda is climate change. And the purpose of climate change is an instrument of control. That's the whole point. This is all being imposed. And the people doing it couldn't care less about the state of the, the, the climate, the state of the planet, because they're the guys, the money guys who have been doing it for decades. And that, um, they're the ones who have been polluting Ireland. They're the ones who are polluting Europe. They're the ones who are polluting America. You see, and moreover, if you look at the charts, the greatest polluters in the world are China, India. You know, we, we reduce our, our outputs by X or Y. It doesn't matter. They don't. Ours make no difference. It makes Zero no difference, difference at all. That's right. And plant plant decomposition, um, animals, uh, volcanic activity, all this stuff creates CO2. It's got nothing to do with human beings. By, by inert, I think um, it's a great way of putting it. Do I understand that inert means the soil suffers from abiotic stress, doesn't it? And nothing yeah. will grow in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's no, nothing. Nothing can grow. It's 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 incapable, and and it would take years of 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 work by skilled horticulturalists. But Monsanto, but Monsanto mm. has a seed for such uh, soil, doesn't it? Of course, the oh, great, it does, the yeah. great Monsanto. Yeah, that's another thing we're moving towards, uh, Richie, in this new world order is that Monsanto will own all the seeds in the world, and that's you right. won't be able to use your own. That's right. Remember interviewing Vandana Shiva on this program over the years many times talking about this, the lunacy of that, all those Indian farmers, the suicides there, what they do to yeah, people. You see, you see, Richie, this is a scenario. This is something I'd like to say to people because you see, people tend to poo poo stuff, and then when it happens, they say, "Oh, sure, that's always happened." You know, like if you had said five years ago about a lockdown, described it. You know, if you could have described it, people would say, "Ah, oh, you're ridiculous, you're raving, you're crazy." So now, if I say that the day will come when I'll be out in my garden down Sligo and a squad car will pull up outside and four guards will jump out of it with their truncheons pulled and say, uh, you are arresting you because you're growing carrots there. Carrots, these carrots are not legally, uh, are not sanctioned. You have no license. Yeah. Uh, this is coming. This is coming. They've already introduced such laws in, in, in New Zealand under that appalling person, Ardern, when she was there. Like, which is, they're, they're just towing the water stuff. But you see, the problem is, you see, you have trade unions and farming trade unions, and, and they're basically selling out their members. You know, I saw where there was a trade union march or demonstration advertised there the other day in the wake of the, the what happened in Dublin last week. The, in other words, the butchering of, of, of uh, three children and their winder. And uh, uh, it was about the far right. Right. A march against the far right, which doesn't exist. But because the government says it exists, then these people are happy to pretend that it exists because that's the way to court favour with the government. And you get some social credit points by being seen at the anti-fascism march or the anti-far right march, yeah. even though it yeah. doesn't exist. Yet. Yeah, which are stuffed yeah. with the, 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 the workers of NGOs, of which there are 35,000. I mean, there are 35,000 NGOs. Uh, God knows how many employees they have. You know, like, this is unbelievable. 
But this is what's happening in our country. They're basically remaking it in a way that it it will be complete. It's like it's it's actually like an occupation. Richie, but an occupation by our own people, by people who are nominally our own people. I mean, they no longer have the visage of people who are our own people, but nominally they are. Michal Martin, uh, Radker, sort of, I don't know what where he belongs. But, uh, you know, uh, 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 like here we are, like like these guys, like Cromwell, like come back, all is forgiven. All is forgiven, yeah. Jesus, yeah. Can I ask you to do us a favour? Um, d- d- feel free to say no because uh, your calendar might be fairly full. But um, we should have a, a chat. Uh, y- you know, a more I don't know what kind of a chat, but we should have a more I reckon a more nostalgic chat maybe sometime before Christmas, talking Great. about the good, the good um, in our country because um, the good. Yeah, 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 because yeah, there's yeah, plenty of that. good. Although I, I, yeah, I, I think so. I think that's a very good idea. Because, and our culture, you know, it's very important to differentiate our country from the people who are destroying it, yeah. whether they be politicians or whoever they are, official Ireland. I mean, Eamon Dunphy came up with that term many years ago, and it's still a good one, you know. You know, when you talk about official Ireland, it's official Ireland that is a, such an appalling pace, you know. It's not Ireland. It's not the Irish. It's not the majority yeah. of the Irish. You can read no. John at johnwaters.substack.com. Do subscribe to him. I know many of our listeners do. Thanks for today, mate. We'll um, we'll, we'll do it before Christmas. Then we'll have a good old chinwag before. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Thanks, for John. Sure. See you later. Always bye. a pleasure, bye, bye. mate. Bye for now. John Waters on uh, Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Great to have John on today. Thanks to him. Uh, the programme this week sponsored by NutraHealth365.com Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Yeah, thanks a million to Eamon and NutraHealth365.com. Thank you for listening today. Really appreciate it. I'm going to take my leave of you now. Uh, that was always the plan today. 90 minutes today, but that's okay. It's only once in a blue moon. You'll understand. You'll just take it. Uh, JohnWaters.substack.com. Do check him out there. I'm back with you tomorrow, Thursday, uh, 4 to 6 tomorrow, the usual time, 4 o'clock. Um, somebody asked me about the repeats of the programme. For the time being, I didn't. I, I can't remember who, who sent me the message. For the time being, I'm going to start the repeats at 5pm, as it would have been, as the show would have been at 5. But I, I might put it to the, to, I might put it to the, uh, I might put it to 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever thereafter. I don't know. But for the moment, it begins repeating immediately, but it starts again, if you understand, at 5 o'clock. UK time. You get me? Did that make any sense at all? Right, when I start repeating it in a moment, you'll hear the second hour. Or that's how it would be ordinarily when it's two hours. And then it begins repeating properly at five o'clock. Do me a favour, do download the app for the programme if you can. It's available via the App Store. It's available via Google Play. 
download it please and leave a review for it if you don't mind that is and can I just say today is the last day uh, thanks again to Mark Boyerski there's still time by the way he's been raffling the most beautiful uh, uh, arrangement of crystals through his YouTube channel Mark Boyerski with uh, the proceeds going to the Richie Allen show so a big shout out to Mark and thanks uh, to Mark for, for doing that I greatly appreciate it I know uh, he knows that for sure so that's it for me then we will talk tomorrow of course we will at 4 o'clock UK time for Thursday's programme uh, closing out with this then from ABBA until tomorrow Slow and Tom will bye now Oh, I forgot to mention as well, by the way, the Papers podcast is online every morning, very early. It's an online thing only. It isn't a broadcast. The Papers, you'll get it from your podcast provider. That's Monday to Friday. So tomorrow's Papers will be online about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, right? Bye.